Good morning. morning. (laughs) Welcome to worship. It's a beautiful day to worship together here at Christ the Servant Lutheran Church. And um, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Frank, and I'm filling in today for your wonderful interim pastor that that you have, Casey Sugden. He and I had coffee this past week for a couple hours. It was just great. Beautiful, gifted, gregarious young pastor. (laughs) So uh, blessings on this interim time for Christ the Servant. And if you are uh, new to uh, the church, a particular warm welcome to you. So glad that you all came out for worship today. We're going to be thinking today about how God gifts us as individuals and a church for our callings in life. So it's time to worship. And if you would um, stand, if you're able, and we will do the confession and absolution. We confess our sins before God and one another. God of joy and sorrow, we gather in your house full of regret and remorse for the things that we kept from fulfilling your calling. We have failed to act, and we have behaved in ways that disappoint. But we are your children, and you promise to forgive. We ask for your forgiveness and the the desire desire to do your your work in the world. God loves and forgives all of God's children. Receive God's forgiveness and move through the world unburdened by sin. For the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. sometimes reluctant to do your work out of fear that we are ill-equipped to do it, but you will send the teachers we need so that we will succeed. Amen. Amen. A reading from Ephesians chapter 4. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it said he ascended, what does it mean? That he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? 
He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Thanks be to God. God. It says children's lesson. (laughs) I think that we have some kids here today, so uh, if you're uh, willing, come on down, come on up. Spend some time with Pastor Frank this morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. What's your name? Dustin and little sister Ava. Ava and Dustin? What was
Gospel according to John. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear even more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Please take a seat. So we're talking today about giftedness and uh, the grace of that in our lives and in the world. So I read this past week about a teacher welcoming uh, st getting ready to start the school meeting with parents and one of the parents came in and they said well we just need you to know that our son is really gifted he's a gifted child and so said, okay well then they started up class and uh, after uh, a few months it turns out the kid was really rambunctious and a lot of trouble and the parents came in and said so did you see our boy was so gifted and she said yeah I want to re-gift your boy <laughs> <laughs> well, um, giftedness. Everybody's gifted in special ways. We tend to think about certain people, well, that, that person is really, really gifted. In October, my wife and I are going back for a high school reunion. 
Do you mind if I tell them the number? It's, okay, 55. <laughs> 55, we'll see if anybody recognizes me. But uh, it should be a lot of fun to see people. And I can remember thinking back to those days of some people, they're a really gifted guy, like Ron, my good friend. He uh, became a neurologist and worked to really try to cure Parkinson's because his dad had Parkinson's. He spent his whole career doing that and some amazing work that he did in research. And, and be, he was also a fantastic athlete. He was athlete of the year in, in our senior year and also a musician. We made music together. He just had so much really great talent. So it would be tempting to be jealous or envious of that. But that wasn't an issue for me because somehow I always knew that's Ron and that's his story. And then I have my story. And I think that's the way we're supposed to look at it. You might have noticed um, there was this, uh, the first African-American child to win the spelling bee. Uh, she was amazing. Zyla was her name. And she had to spell uh, Mariah. I wouldn't know how to do that, but, but she nailed it, and she won. She's gifted, they say, at that. Or did anybody watch the Bucks play um, in the championship tournament? <laughs> Can you say Giannis Antetokounmpo? <laughs> Is he gifted? Oh, my gosh, 50 points to win the championship, plus all the other stuff he does, and still a really humble, neat guy, you know. But he's gifted. So, you know, um, I, I could have uh, tried basketball as a kid. I could have practiced like he did from 13 on and just really worked at it and done my very best and, and all that. But I would never be a Giannis, right? Because that's his gift. He was given that ability. And so he has uh, opened it up fully and it just bears fruit for the world. It's a wonderful thing to see. So uh, are you gifted? People tend to say, uh, they disqualify themselves. Like, nah, not really, not me. I'm not gifted, you know. I'm just sort of regular, average, you know. Um, so don't, don't think about me that way. It sounds proud or it's wrong. Well, no. In Ephesians chapter 4, which we heard, St. Paul wrote, each one of us has received special gifts in accordance with Christ's will for us. That means when you were created, already up front, God put inside of you the seeds of really greatness. He put in seeds of all sorts of gifts and abilities and things, that everything that you would need for your journey through this place. Already from the very beginning. And those abilities and things are like seeds that then through life we have opportunities to open up and let God use us so we can bear fruit, so to speak. Really, he's trying to tell us that in the Holy Spirit, everybody is gifted for their life, fully equipped, fully loaded for what we're asked to do in life. So... Um, 
couple of years ago, I was having trouble with my car. It's just, I liked my car, but it was just no good on the snow or in the rain. It was constantly sliding all over the place, driving me crazy, really kind of dangerous. So I said, I've got to get rid of this thing. So I went online and um, went shopping for a used car that would be good in snow and rain. And I scouted them all out, and I finally read all the reviews, and I landed on this SUV, and um, it was up in Sheboygan. So uh, I called the dealer here said, can you get it down here? I would probably buy it. Sure. So, so I bought the thing. Well, the, the advertisement on it said, fully equipped, loaded. And it has all kinds of stuff in it that I don't really use or, or need so much. But, uh, but it's kind of cool to have it. It took me uh, a couple of weeks to realize my grandkids showed me that I had, what do you call it, a skylight up there. So uh, I've never used it, but, but I guess that's cool. It's fully loaded. Well, can I tell you, the Bible is telling you, you are fully loaded. You shouldn't discount yourself. That's like dissing God's spirit that wants to gift every person for their life and their calling. You might not always feel that way. You know, Paul was an encouraging guy. He, he mentored a young pastor named Timothy and uh, kept urging him to use his gifts. Stir up your gifts he said in the spirit. He was really young and worried about nobody's going to really respect what I done to. I'm just like a kid pastor. But Paul said, don't let anybody give you a hard time about your youth because God has prepared you for this time. And then he talked about scripture and he said, the reason it's given is so every person will be, here it comes, fully equipped for every good work they're called to do and be in the world. There's the psalm that I told the children about. Psalm 139 uh, that says, I am fearlessly and awesomely made. So that's not a prideful, egotistic thing to say because it's a gift. So you're just receiving the gift with thanksgiving and asking for the grace of the Spirit to be on it so you can really open it up and let God use you in the world. What's difficult uh, one of the things that become obstacles for living into our giftedness are a couple things. One of them is uh, it's very tempting to get into comparing, like I was talking about before, where you're going to compare yourself to somebody else's gift or compare your church to somebody else's church or do that kind of comparing. It does a number then on us usually when we get into that. So you might go, well, I wish I were taller like that person or shorter like that one or uh, stronger than I am or healthier or I wish that, uh, that I had a better personality. If I had all these kind of things like they have, then uh, or if I had that church, if I, we had church like they have church, you know, so on, you can say, well, then maybe we would bear a lot of fruit. No. If God wanted you to be taller, he would have made you taller. <laughs> you know? If God wanted you to have these kind of gifts, you would have those gifts because everything needed for your particular race and journey through life has been provided from the get-go by your creator. And then the spirit becomes the energy to let it loose. Comparing really becomes a burden. I mean, you can try to do it somebody else's way. 
and maybe get pretty good at it. But it will feel heavy and not joyful on your life. So my grandpa was a pastor. His brothers, pastors. My um, father was a pastor. And his brother, Sam, was a pastor. And one of us kids was going to be a pastor, I think. <laughs> well, it came on me as a surprise. But um, when I first started out as a pastor, and a lot of young pastors do this, you're kind of finding your way, kind of faking it till you make it, you know, just learning along the way with the help of your church. Well, when I first started out, my dad was an excellent preacher. I mean, he was a dynamic, powerful preacher. Um, he could be really vigorous and loud like that. I had him preach for me once at Ascension Church. And he came and he started preaching and the kids were holding their hand, hands over their ears and uh, the, the guy running the PA ran over there and you know, took him about halfway down you know, because it was hurting. But he learned to do it that way because they didn't have microphones and PA systems when he started as a preacher. Well, I started out and thought, you know, I got to do it like my dad. So I, I tried to preach like him for a while and, and got good response on that. But it really did feel kind of like a burden. And it wasn't until I got some kind of message that, that really was freeing that came to me and said, what are you doing, Frank? <laughs> That's your dad's race and journey. I've gifted you for yours. And at that time, I just started preaching my way, and which is much more conversational. I like to just talk to people and um, talk with them about their faith and journey and teach as I preach about how to live out the faith in your life. You know, I started doing it that way. Everything goes better. I'm happier and get better responses from people. It's just saying, be who you are. Be who you've gifted to do and trust that God will put a hand of favor on your life that way. So you can think about Paul. I was thinking about this apostle in regard to this message because he was really different. He was different than the other apostles, you know. And I suppose he could have compared himself all the time to them. The twelve, you know. They were with Jesus every single day for three years. Paul never met Jesus. Paul never sat at Jesus' feet. He didn't hear him preach the Beatitudes or his other amazing, powerful ideas and teachings. And he never saw him do these phenomenal, incredible wonders and miracles and healings and all the things that Jesus was doing. He never, did, he never saw any of that stuff. Why could he be an apostle? In fact, he kind of said, I'm the worst, I'm the least of the apostles because I even persecuted the Jesus followers. Sat while they executed one of them, Stephen. So he could have certainly said, uh, discounted himself and said, no, not me. But God said, no, I want you because you have gifts that I want. And one of them was this zeal, you know, the zeal for God that he had. And then he had other gifts, it turns out. So uh, he was raised by his parents. His mother was Jewish. His father, I'm not sure, but he was a Roman. And so that 
gave uh, Paul, he grew up in a Jewish home. He learned Hebrew and spoke Aramaic, and he, uh, he was a Jew of Jews, like among the best and highest. He worked the hardest, became a Pharisee. He was a scholar who studied under Gamaliel. He was an amazing, you know, Hebrew Jewish person of faith. And um, he, he could speak then powerfully and eloquently to his fellow Jews about the gospel. But his father was a Roman, and so that made him automatically a Roman citizen. That opened up travel that he could go here, there, and everywhere safely. And he was a business person, so God could, he was used to different cultures and people and all of that. And he spoke Greek, which was the language of the empire. All of that was preparation and giftedness for his story. And once, you know, Jesus recruited him on the road to Damascus, and uh, he, he went off when they recruited him for mission. And all across Asia Minor, all across what today would be modern-day Turkey, and into Macedonia, down to Greece, up to Italy, and even over to Spain, they think, he was there preaching and teaching the gospel and planting all these little churches these little cell churches, house churches, here, there, and everywhere. He ended up writing about half of the New Testament. That's amazing. For that all to happen, he needed to accept the Holy Spirit as the energizer of his faith and his story and his life and believe in the gifts of that Spirit to be released through him. And he said, through everyone. So what he wrote about is in the unity of the church is we need to be one in releasing our gifts for God's mission and purpose. And every single person, he says, has been anointed and graced in terms of their particular gifts for their specific and particular mission and ministry in church and in world. It's a beautiful thing. God gave gifts to every person, he wrote, and he gave gifts to the church. And he lists some of them. It's not an exhaustive list, but he lists you know, apostles and teachers and evangelists and helpers, he goes on to say, and, um, and many, many more. And so those gifted people are meant, he says here, to equip the church, the people of God, for their ministries and for their work for the gospel. So what that says is uh, you're, you're going to be, uh, you've got a new interim pastor and you've got, um, you know, the idea you're going to be calling a new pastor eventually. And it's saying, what is that pastor's job? And the number one feature about it, besides loving God and loving people and preaching the Word, is going to be about helping you identify and release your gifts for ministry in this place. That's my belief about what pastoring is all about. And if you get into comparing, you'll miss out on that. Or if you get into competition, you know, competing with other people's gifts, like you have to win the race with them in life and be better than somebody else, it's a big distraction from your role and your call. 
Like uh, one time, Jen and I are from Nebraska, and it's like 500 miles to get where we need to go to see people. And uh, we've made the trip across Iowa, I don't know how many times, <laughs> and you know, it gets boring. It's like nine hours plus to get there. And one time, we were traveling out there, and we were getting across Iowa, and Jan fell asleep. And so, you know, I'm trying to stay awake. And this little white car comes speeding around me and pulls in front and then slows down. You ever have that happen? It's hard to love people like that. <laughs> so, I, well, I'm not doing that. So I pulled back around him and I got in front of him. And not too long after that, he pulled around me and he got in front of me. And, uh, I'd race on, I said, so I thought, well, this is interesting, I'm getting pumped up, and he didn't know we were racing, but I knew we were, and, <laughs> and finally, you know, I shot out in front of him, and I just kept going, and I made great ground, and I win. Jan wakes up, she didn't know this was going on, I never told her, um, she wakes up, and she looks around and says, where are we? I don't recognize anything. And I look around, well, I don't either. <laughs> and then we come to a sign, so many miles to Kansas City. <laughs> My point, <laughs> you get into competition like that, you know, you're gonna miss out, make a wrong turn, you know, uh, and kind of lose the path that really is yours to be taking. It's a, just a distraction. And you'll lose the joy of being anointed in the Spirit for your life and your journey. And that is true of congregations as well. I know people, they'll look around and say, well, look at that church. You know, they're, they're really far ahead of us. Or um, they got all these thousands of people. Or they got these incredible facilities that are just so amazing and, and all of that. They have this huge pastoral staff and all those things. And we should be like that and so forth. Well, that's death, you know, <laughs> to a church. Because that's their race. That's their story. Cheer for them. If somebody passes you by, we should celebrate and cheer for those people. And we should do that for churches because that's their race. But ours could be very different, but really significant and important. So you can have a large church, for example, that's just big and flabby, or you can have a church that's big and strong. Or you can have a church that's little and wimpy, or you can have a mighty mouse of a little church. And really, the truth be told, sociologists studying the churches are saying it's the smaller churches that are really changing people's lives. And it's in that fellowship where people's gifts get discovered and everybody's engaged in a better way. And they really are growing more than the big churches are these days. So. We need to take a look at who we are and say, thank you. We're a gift. We're awesomely made. And so we trust the Spirit. Keep the faith, people of God. In the Spirit of God, you are fully equipped and loaded 
for your calling. So Christ the servant, let's get serving. Amen. church, the world, and all those in need. We are indeed blown about by tempting schemes and promises too outrageous to be true. Guide us by your spirit to return to your gospel of truth, which has never and will never fail us. God of wisdom, hear our prayer. God, you are above all and through all and in all. Show us your face when we look at one another and amaze us with your power to create and renew. For we too are bearers of your creative light. God of wisdom, hear our prayer. We see the seasons of our lives come and go, and yet you remain constant. Assure us by your spirit that you are continually making something new of us, drawing forth new gifts as we mature, while returning us to a childlike wonder at your powers of creation. God of wisdom, hear our prayer. Lord, you have raised up healers among us to spread your love and impart your, impart your spirit of wholeness. Show us where we might be a word, a touch, or a presence that someone else needs. Send a special blessing, especially to those mentioned here or in the comments on Facebook. 
And also with you. Let's wave at one another in peace. <laughs> you can have a seat. Before we move on, I'm going to share the day's announcements. So these are, uh, the, the announcements are decisions made by council on July 12th to make the following changes to our COVID protocol. So we are now bringing forth the offering baskets and sharing it with the congregation members. And then dur during the assembly song, the monetary gifts will be brought to the altar by the ushers. The We Care books, I'm sure you have found, are back in the pews, so please share those to uh, the folks that are sitting next to you. Be sure to make introductions also to those you don't know. Um, communion. The ushers will indicate when it's time for people in each row to move forward to the altar. At that time, Pastor Frank will hand out communion and speak words of promise with anyone who comes forward. Um, then you can return to your seat with your communion, um, grape juice and bread still intact, and we will then commune together when Pastor Frank um, invites us to share our communion. Then please discard your empty packets in the waste containers in the sanctuary, at the end of the sanctuary, or in the narthex at the end of the service. Um, let's see, conversation with council. You're all invited on August 1st after worship for a conversation with council right here in the sanctuary. You're also invited on August 8th for our next outdoor service. So that will be in our beautiful crisis servant garden. Please bring your own lawn chair if you can. Um, if you're able to help us set, it, set up, volunteers are needed at 8 a.m. that morning. Again, that is Sunday, August 8th. Setup will be at 8 a.m. and service will begin at 9.30. Uh, the school supply drive, as you can see the backpacks out in the narthex on the table, it's not too late to support the students at Prairie Elementary School in Waukesha. Uh, there are some full backpacks that have been purchased and filled with supplies, but we want to reach more, um, to reach our goal of 24 full backpacks. So when you bring in your backpack, be sure to label the backpack with the grade level. The due date for the backpacks and supplies is Sunday, August 15th. Thank you for your generosity and shop the current sales that are out there. Um, and then lastly, the August newsletter, please pay attention to some new content that will only be in that newsletter. You will find the following articles. Uh, the proposed interim timeline, meet the council vice president, Patterns learned from Diane, Pastor Diane's exit interview, meet the interim youth director, learn about the Reformation Sunshine program, and details on how to register for Sunday school. 
So are there any other announcements that I didn't have that anyone needs to share today? Okay. On the night before Jesus would give up the greatest gift of all, his life, for the salvation of the world, he gave another gift that we could continue to abide in his presence, as he said in the gospel. And so he left us this meal. Uh, he took bread, he blessed it, and then broke it, and he gave it to his followers and said, take this and eat it. This is my body, and it's given for you. And toward the end of the meal, he took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God. He blessed that. He passed it to them and said, Now drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, shed for you and everyone for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you do this, remember me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We come to God's table at different stages of life and mission. Whether we are new or seasoned, well-equipped or learning, we are all welcome here. Come and share in this feast that celebrates the diversity among us. Amen. You can be seated.
body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you always in God's grace. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. God.